and read our Bibles, but I believe something special happens when we come together. I just, I just believe there's a special anointing, and uh, if, you're, if it's your first time or whether you've been here every week or, or, or missed once or twice, we started a, a series several weeks ago, and it's called Uphill Habits, and this is a series about our daily habits, and you know, what I found is that if you want to change where you're going, you have to change your daily structure. You have to change uh, the habits. Aristotle said this, we are what we repeatedly do. So what you do today, tomorrow, Tuesday, and Wednesday, we become or we're the result of what we repeatedly do. The, the next thought is this, we form our habits and then our habits form us. And so, you know, uh, we, we form all these habits, and then we, we, we reap what we sow. We become what we, what we do. We are the sum total of the things that we do every day. And, but, but what's strange is most people have uphill hopes but downhill habits. Their hopes are going up here. Their dreams are up here. Where they want to be is up here, but it's their daily habits that are keeping them down here. here. And here's what I want to say. Hope is great. The Bible is all about giving us hope. But hope is not a strategy. Hope, hope is a motivator. It will get you going. But you need a strategy. You need a structure to really overcome some of the things uh, that have held you back. And our, our uh, text for this series comes from Romans 12, 2. And it says this, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out readily recognize what he wants from you, then quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you. See, we don't want to be like the culture around us. We don't want to be like them. Unlike the culture around, around you that's always dragging you down to its level of immaturity, God brings out the best in you. Would you say that with me? God brings out the best in me. God brings out the best in you, and he develops a well-formed maturity in you. So number one, the first habit we talked about was the power of first things. And all throughout the Bible, there's, the Bible tells us that there's supernatural power in the first things, whatever we put first in our life. And, and we learned that many of us, although we love God and, and we say we're followers of Jesus, we've actually, the things that we focus on first, many times uh, God is not the first, and something powerful happens when we put God first. And I, and I challenge you, man, go home and evaluate your life, and if God's not at the top, put him at the top, and then he blesses everything else. We're scared that if we put him first, there won't be enough time, there won't be enough money, there won't be enough resources. When you put God first, he blesses everything else, and even if you have less than you did before, he blesses it so it begins to multiply. Last week we talked about just a critical aspect, a critical habit, uh, controlling our thoughts, controlling, winning the battle of our mind. And uh, what happens is if we, don't, if we don't learn to capture our thoughts, take captive our thoughts, our thinking, see, our thinking is like a self-fulfilling prophecy. What we think we eventually do and we eventually become. So if you want to change a habit, the first thing you have to do is start is change the way you think about the situations you face every day in life. And today, habit number three, we're going to talk about how to keep my life aligned with my purpose. And this is a very important statement that God has created all of us on purpose, for a purpose. 
He created us with intentionality. God did not make mistake make a mistake or mistakes when he when he formed you. God God before before you were born, God already had a plan for you to do in advance. He had a purpose, a sign to your life. And here's the problem. When our lives get out of alignment with God's purpose, what he created us to do, what happens is we begin to develop pain in different areas of our life. So let me tell you a little story. Many years ago, I was in a little, a little uh, a minor auto accident, and I was just at a red light, and, and this lady bumped me, and she wasn't going but about five miles an hour, and it really didn't do any damage to my car, but because I, I mean, I had my seatbelt on, but because I was, wasn't expecting it, you know, my head jerked, and I got whiplash, and I got an immediate headache, <clears throat> I had back and neck pain, and so I did something that I normally don't do. I did something. Uh, I went to a chiropractor. Okay, now, some people swear on chiropractors. I just don't want people jerking me around and cracking things that may not be supposed to crack. But, but I was desperate, man. I was hurting. So I went to the chiropractor, and she starts yanking on my leg. That didn't make me feel too good, you know. And I said, it's not my leg. It's my neck and my back. And she started jerking my leg, and I felt it up here. I'm like, okay, well, maybe she's on to something. And, and she pushed one part, and my ear hurt. You know, I'm like, wow. <clears throat> but what was interesting about that was my area that was painful wasn't the problem. The problem is that I was out of alignment. Okay? And, and, and so this is, this is very key. I've, I, I've met with and I've counseled hundreds and thousands of people over my 20 years of pastoral ministry. And they come to talk to me because they have problems. No one comes talk to the pastor if they don't have problems. Uh, they use text or a call for that, right? Or how you doing on the way out the door, right? But if they come to my office and, and maybe they're having marriage problems, they're having problems with one of their kids, they're having financial difficulty, uh, they're having a health issue, you know, they're, they're having a career crisis. And a lot of times they're very, they're very disappointed that when I start asking them questions, I'm asking them questions about something other than what their problem is. And the reason why is if our life gets out of alignment with God's purpose for our lives, we're going to have problems in different areas, but the area we're having problem in is not the problem. The problem is, as Christians, we have got out of alignment, and we're not going the direction that God has wanted us to. If we fix the alignment problem, if we get fixed in on what God created us to do, if we find our purpose and if we obey God and get in alignment with where he wants us to go, it's amazing how our marriage just all of a sudden gets better. It's, it's, it's amazing how God opens doors on our jobs and our careers. It's amazing how our kids can turn back to him when we get ourselves right. See, and so many times we, we get focused on pain because if something's hurting us, we want the hurt to stop. But sometimes to stop the pain in one area of our life, we have to go back to the, the source or the root cause, which is that spiritually we've got out of alignment and, and we're not in line with what God uh, wants us, you know, to do. Of course, this is a big part of my testimony. Uh, my story is I knew... I knew from probably six or seven years old that God wanted me to be a pastor. So the only problem was that I didn't want to be a pastor. 
Have you ever done that? God wants you to do something, and you know what he wants you to do, but you act like you don't hear him. But he's speaking to your heart, and you know it. And so, I, I don't know, I was probably 22 or 23, and, and really I was frustrated in life. I was frustrated with life, by life, with everyone around me, because they were bothering me. And, and I was in class one day. I was in a physics class at Texas State. There's 200 people in this physics room. And it, one day in the middle of class, the Holy Spirit just spoke to me just as clear as a bell. And, and this is exactly, uh, you know, what, what he said. The Holy Spirit said to me, if you were doing what I wanted you to do, life would be much simpler. And I thought about that because I'd been blaming everyone else for my problems. And now the Holy Spirit just told me I was the problem. We don't like that either, you know. There was an alignment issue, an alignment problem. And, you know, that day, right there at that class, during that class, with that personal encounter, you know, I already knew what I was supposed to do. The problem was I didn't want to do it. And that day I said, okay, Lord, I will do whatever you want me to do. And at that moment I had peace. Now, have I had problems since then? Absolutely. I've had problems. I had difficulties. There's obstacles to overcome. But when we get in alignment with God and we know what his plan and purpose for our life is, it, it becomes very simple. Am I going to obey him or not? Am I going to follow him or not? Am I going to trust him or do I want to do my own thing? And many of us, you know, the problem is it's not like we're on purpose outwardly rebelling toward God. It's more like an inner rebellion. Because, I, you know, I'm, I'm just convinced. They have all these conferences on how to find your purpose in life. They've written books on it. And I'm convinced that most people know what God wants them to do. I'm utterly convinced of that. And when you, when you take the first step, he'll show you what, he'll show you the, the next part. The problem is many times we don't take step one when he asks us to do something. But I, I'm convinced of this, that 90% of our problems, that 90% of your problems are self-inflicted. They're self-inflicted because we're not in alignment with what God wants us to do. It sounds kind of crazy if we think about it, that we give our lives to Jesus, we ask him to come into our lives, to be the Lord and Savior of our lives, but then we don't want to do what he wants us to do. That's, I mean, we want to go to heaven. No one, no one from Texas wants to go to hell. I mean, it's hot enough, right? It's hot enough. I mean, it's hot, you know? All you got to do is say, hey, man, hell has no air conditioners. I'm in. Jesus, save me. Jesus, I give you my life, right? So let, let's think about this. I don't want you to feel bad, but I, just, I, want, I want to encourage you because if we get in line with what God wants us to do, it brings peace and joy and fulfillment in our lives, and the blessings of God will overwhelm us, okay? But if we're not in alignment with what God wants us to do, we're never going to feel that deep down satisfaction that my life it's making a difference. And so I want to talk to you about this for a little bit. And so why is this habit so important? The first thing is, is because I have a purpose. Will you say it with me? Say, I have a purpose. Every one of us has a purpose. In Psalms 139.16, this is David, uh, King David talking. He says, he's talking about God. He says, your eyes saw, saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. 
you know, we have, a, we have a major problem in our country and in our world, for that matter, uh, of people wanting, trying to debate and put a scientific, uh, you know, number on when, when is a child in the womb valuable? When are they viable? When are they important? When do they matter? When do they deserve to be protected? And some people say, well, it's at the heartbeat at two months, three months. What, what does God say? Before I saw your unformed body in the wound, I had a plan and a purpose for you. Amen. That is unbelievable. Amen. That So when are we important? Before we're even conceived because God has a purpose and a plan for our lives. And uh, now some of you may be saying, Terry, that's the problem. You know, David was talking about this book that was written that laid everything out before it came to be. Well, I've messed up my book. I've written some chapters that weren't supposed to be there. You know, what I would say that is God has an uncanny ability. He has an incredible way of when we return to him and get in alignment with him, he writes some new chapters for us. He gets us back on track. So it doesn't matter if part of your book has some bad chapters in it. When we return to God, when we give him everything, when we follow him, he has a way of getting us back on track. And when we're in alignment with God, the sky's the limit. When we're we're in alignment with God, we're talking about having the creator of heaven and earth on our side. He can move things. He can rearrange things. So the purpose today is we have to make sure we're in alignment with God. If we have alignment with God, he can make sure we get to where we need to be. He can move things. He can orchestrate things. If we're over here on our own, we're, we're only going to suffer uh, our, ourselves from that. Ephesians 2.10, it says, For we are God's workmanship. That word workmanship is actually, it, it's, it's, sometimes it's translated as handiwork. It's really the word poem. That you and I are God's poem. That he, he wrote a poem with, that's how our life is going to unfold. For we are God's poem, his handiwork, his workmanship, creating Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. So we're always thinking about today and tomorrow. God laid out the heavens and the earth. He laid out our lives before we were born with purpose, with creativity, with unique abilities and talents to serve him with. And when we're in alignment with God, It not only blesses our lives and the people around us, it blesses the people we come into into contact with. See, I think that such a a shallow form of the gospel is when people say, God wants you to be blessed. God wants you to have money. Yeah, God wants you to be blessed so you can bless others. When our lives are blessed, when we're in alignment, everyone we come into contact with, it's a positive influence on their lives. If we're unhappy, if we're on the wrong track, then usually the people we come into contact with, it's not a blessing. Are there, is there anyone in your life that when you come into contact with, it's not a blessing? Don't say their names. <laughs> I mean, there's some people that when I come into contact, every time I see them, they're mad, they're angry, they're whatever. And, but I know what the problem is. The problem is not them. The problem is not me. The problem is they're not fulfilled in their lives. And if they gave their lives to Jesus and got in alignment with him, their face would change because they're where they're supposed to be and God can bless that. So we need, we need to live by design and not default. You know, on all of our 
technical things, they, it has a default. It always goes back to the default. We need to live by design because if we don't, we will go to automatically to default and let other people tell us what's important or what, what's not. I have a purpose, number two, very important. We're talking about being in alignment with God. There, there is always competition for my time and attention. So when you leave here today, on your way here at work tomorrow, there's always, there are always things competing for your time and attention. And, and that's the, the, what I, one of the most important things is many times because someone is, there's so much competition, we give our time and we give our attention to things that don't really matter. That's every one of us. If every one of us wrote down our schedules this past week, we can name probably five or six things that we really should never have done, but we did it because it was pressing. So what happens is, um, what happens is, because things are pressing, uh, sometimes we, we, we let the urgent overtake what is important. And, and that's just because somebody's putting pressure on you, just because someone asks you to do something, just because other people are doing it, doesn't mean you should do it. There are some good things that we do that we shouldn't do. And, and so we, we, have to, we have to cut that back. We have to understand everything is competing for my attention and my time, and I, I, I can't do everything. But our culture preaches the mantra of more is better, right? If one dollar is good, two is. If one Krispy Kreme donut is good, two is. If one car is good, two is. If one kid is good, two is. No, we're not going there. If one wife is good, two No, you're wrong. You're just wrong right there. There was this young seminary student he was going to seminary. He was young. He was 21 years old. He didn't know anything about life. And so he just asked his professor one day, he said, he said, Professor, can you tell me why Solomon had so many wives? He said, I sure can. He was hopeful that when he came home from work, one of them would be in a good mood. <laughs> Lord, forgive me. I'm sorry, ladies. I'm sorry. I'll never say that again. That was terrible. I can't believe I said that. Now, here's, the, here's, here's something that's very, very important. An overwhelmed schedule will produce an, uh, an underwhelmed soul. If you're, you show me somebody that's overwhelmed by their schedule, and I will show you a soul, a spiritual part of their being that's underwhelmed. It, it's not growing. It's getting choked out because the competition, uh, you know, is so much. Ecclesiastes chapter 4 and verse 6, it says this, better is one handful with tranquility than two handfuls with toil and chasing after the wind. Now, what, what is Solomon saying here? Solomon wrote Ecclesiastes, and he says this, that, man, it's better to have just a little bit. One hand, I have two hands, but one handful is okay with tranquility, with peace, than to have my hands full of everything and, 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 and to... And, you know, with toil, with hardship. And sometimes, you know, there's so much competition for our time and attention that we have both hands and both feet and our mind everywhere. And if we just let go of 50% of that and really focus on what is important, 
I think the end result would be much better for us. The third thing is this. So, you know, I have a purpose. There's competition for my time and attention. And the third thing is this, is because time is short. And I believe time is short on, on two different levels. The first thing is this. You and I, just, uh, just a bold confession here. You're one day closer right now. You're one day closer to your life being over. Aren't you glad you're in church today? Isn't it so positive? My name's Terry. I'm here to encourage you, right? But we're one day closer to eternity. And I'm just amazed. I'm amazed at how fast life is going. I mean, I feel good. I feel like I'm 25. But when I look around, there are signs that tell me that can't be true. Like one is that my oldest son's turning 26 this year. So I can't be 25. But I feel good. But life is, life is speeding by. It's, it's speeding by. And the second thing is this, is that I, I really believe uh, that we're, we're in the end of the end days. And, you know, the, the, the study of the end times in theology is called eschatology. And I don't claim to be an eschatologist. I don't claim to, to be an expert. But you know what I am quite, quite qualified in what I do repeatedly is I read the Bible. And what Jesus said, hey, when you see these signs, know that the end is near. And when I read the Bible, you don't have to be smart to realize that every one of those prophecies, every one of those things, they're either, they either have been fulfilled or they're in the process of being filled. And, and so the, the time, the time is close. So what that means is we, we can no longer live casual lives. I think too many Christians are living casual lives. And casual lives means it's kind of like I'm okay, everyone's okay, and, you know, um, is that, I know that's not very flattering or encouraging maybe, but would you not say that the most of Christians in America live casual lives? I mean, we do spiritual things if it's convenient. We come to church if it's convenient. We, we do a small group or we, we help other people when it's convenient. You know, we, we pray when we need something. And, and, and what I'm saying is when we See, I believe the reason we live a casual life is because if, if we're in alignment with what God wants us to do, it, it gives us some passion, it gives us some intentionality, it gives us some things that drive us uh, and keep us from being casual. But I, I believe this, when our, when our lives reach a conclusion, whether it's by a natural death or the return of Jesus, I, I believe when we look back, we will all look back, every one of us will look back and realize that we could have done more. We could have done more. We could have done more. We could have given more. We could have prayed more for the people living uh, around us who, who are lost. Uh, you know, there, there's an old movie. It's old now, I guess, because it was out when I was younger. So that means it's old. Um, Schindler's List. Have any of you seen Schindler's List? And, you know, it's kind of a, I'll be honest with you, it's kind of a, a morbid movie because, you know, it's about the Holocaust but, you know, of course, this man named Schindler, he, he was smuggling all these Jews out and saving all these lives. And at the very end, the end of the movie, I just, I'll never forget this. I haven't seen it in, you know, 20, 25 years. But he started looking. And he's like, man, I could have sold my watch, and that would have been three people. I could have sold my car, and that would have been a few other people. Here's my point. When we get to the end of our lives, no, no one is going to say, you know, I wish I'd have gone to Disney World more. I wish that I would have spent more time at work. I wish I'd have spent more time 
on my hobby. When we get into our lives, really what's going to matter is those around us who love us, our family, and what we did for the Lord. And every day, every day we go to work and there's people around us who need Jesus. Everyone in our neighborhoods have people that are hurting. And, and man, we need, we need to bring them to Jesus. We need to bring, bring them to church so God can restore them. We need, to, we need to pray for them and really minister to them. But it's not the time to live a casual life. Uh, James 4.13, it says this. Now listen, you who say today or tomorrow we will go to this or that city, spend a year there, carry on business and make money, why you do not even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. So just imagine that when you're born, you have the amount of mist that confines your life. And you get to 20, 30, 40. What I'm saying is there's not a whole lot of mist left in that thing, you know. Your mist is dissipating. And it says instead you ought to say what you ought to do is if it's the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. That's, that's talking about alignment. You know, if God wants me to do it, I'm going to do it. If God doesn't want me to do it, I'm not going to do it even if it's a good thing. You know, sometimes we're doing good things that are not meant for us. They're meant for someone else. See, you think if you don't do everything, it won't get done. I assure you that God will get what he wants done on this earth. I assure you that. But we're not supposed to do everything. We're supposed to share it with some other people. John Maxwell, one of the, one of the great leaders of our generation, uh, he's an incredible man. I, um, he mentored me for many years. I went to so many of his conferences. But he's written 70 books. 70 books. And, you know, probably one of my favorite books that he wrote uh, doesn't really make his top 10 list. And he wrote a book called Today Matters. Today Matters. What you do today matters tomorrow, the next year. Today matters. And the premise of the book is this. Okay, let, let, let's say that tomorrow on Monday, what he would say is this. Tomorrow, the day you spend tomorrow is going to be your legacy. How you, all of us, how we spend tomorrow is going to be our legacy. What you do tomorrow is what you're going to be remembered for. If I told you that, how would you live tomorrow? You would live different. Then he says this, go and live every day like that. Think, go and live every day like that. Whatever you want your legacy to be, whatever you want to define what your life is about, then quit messing around and quit wasting time. Get in alignment with God and do that every day. Do that every day. Do it every day, and you'll have spiritual fruit. Do that every day. You'll begin to win souls. Do that every day. You'll be an encouragement to people. If you're out of alignment with where God wants you to be, you're never going to be the blessing that you want to be, that God could use your life uh, to be. And so here's the next thing is I will never change my life until I change something that I do every day. If you want your life to be different tomorrow, you got to change something that you're doing today. you got to lose those time wasters. Oh, by the way, I have a question for you. Last week I asked you one thing. I asked, I asked you to give up social media for a week. How many of you can raise your hand and say, I did that without lying? We got a few people. Yeah, I, I got, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to tell you. I checked in on social media on Wednesday just to see. Some of you were blowing and going. I mean, you were just killing it, sharing everything. Amen? Remember, I asked you to do that because 
if we're going to change our thoughts, we've got to change what's going into our life. And most of the social media news and stuff we watch, pay attention to it's garbage. Garbage in, garbage out. All right, let's, let's talk about mastering this habit. Let me help you. I'm going to give you a couple things real quickly. How do we master this habit of, of staying in alignment with God? Number one is decide what's important. Decide what's important. Most of our lives It's defined by what's urgent, but not by what is really, truly important. And so we're letting other people define what is important to us. Uh, No one, again, no one on their deathbed wishes they could do uh, other other things, uh, you know, the office, hobbies. And I understand there's some things we have to do. If I didn't have to, I'd never mow my grass. But, you know, I'm married and I have to, Okay. I have to. Okay, so I'm not talking, there's some things that we have to do because we eat, breathe, we live on this earth, we have responsibilities. We have to do that, right? But there's a lot of things that we don't have to do, we choose to. So the things you choose to do, make sure that they're valuable, that they're in alignment with where God, uh, you know, wants you to be. And so you have to take an inventory of your activities and then decide what is really important. And uh, we have to make sure that our priorities are not being overlooked by the urgent things. So we really have to focus on our priorities. And so, uh, you know, Boudreaux, Boudreaux had a problem with his priorities. And uh, so one year, you know, Boudreaux went to the Super Bowl. And, man, Boudreaux had 50-yard line tickets halfway up. I mean, the best seats in the house. And, and so Boudreaux was there enjoying the game and, and uh there was an empty seat next to him, and the guy on the other side of him, it was the second quarter, and the, the guy said, man, I can't believe this ticket is not being used. I, I can't believe that. And Boudreaux says, well, it's for my wife, but she died. He's like, oh, man, that, that's terrible. And so the guy thought about it for a minute. He said, man, that's really, that's really honorable of you to hold the ticket in, you know, in her memory because you could have sold it for thousands of dollars. He said, yeah, I could have. And uh, so he said, hey, by the way, you didn't have any close relatives, you know, sons, daughters, you know, um, brother-in-law. You didn't have any close relatives that, that you, you could have asked to attend the game with you? He said, I asked them, and they all turned me down. And the guy said, well, why? He said, well, they're at the funeral right now. <laughs> That's funny and sick at the same time, right? But Boudreaux had some priority issues. And if you get up tomorrow and look in the mirror, you also have some priority issues. You're giving priority to some things that aren't important. And what's important is what God, here's the thing. People think that if I'm in alignment with God and I do what he wants me to do, that some things aren't going to get done. I assure you all of the important things will get done. All the things that really matter will get done. Philippians 3 verse 7 and 8, it says, So, but whatever was to my profit, let me, let me explain that to me. But whatever is to my profit, that means what I used to think was important, I don't think is important anymore, and I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them rubbish, garbage, that I may gain Christ. So here, see, here's the thing. A lot of people think, 
well, I don't want to go all in for Jesus because if I do that, I'm not going to be able to do some things, and those things are really fun. When you go in all for Jesus, you realize that the things that, that, used, that you used to think were fun, you realize, man, they, they really had no value. I have never met somebody who went all in for Jesus and says, man, I wish I could live like that again. Because living for Jesus, that, that's where the blessings come from. So real life is when we live with purpose and make a difference in the lives of others. When Jesus is at the center of our lives, they're surpassing greatness, as this verse says. Number two, you have to, if you're going to stay in alignment with God, you've got to give calendar time to the important things. If it's, if it's not on your calendar, then it's not really important to you. And I'm amazed because I, I hear, I hear you know, people come and talk to me, and I hear people tell me what's important to them. But when I look at what they do, it's not on there. If something is very important to you, it has to be on your calendar. If you're not spending any time with it on your calendar, if you're not making time for it, it, it won't happen. And you're speaking one set of values, but you're living out a different set of values. For, let me give you an example. If your marriage is important, then you have to spend time in your marriage. You have to spend time on it. You have to have a date night every once in a while. You have to have time to communicate. You need to grow to thing, go to things to help your marriage grow. If, if you value your family, then you know what? You've got to spend some time together. You've got to have some time to communicate and talk and spend quality time together. If you value spiritual growth, then that has to be you know, on, on your calendar. But if you don't make time for the important things, your calendar will fill up on its own. Have you imagined, you know, like, for example, with your yard, if you don't do anything, like if you just have dirt, and if you say, I'm just, I'm not going to do anything, something happens. Weeds grow. That's an amazing thing. I don't know how they do it, but they do it, man. Weeds, weeds grow. They, they, they just grow. So if, if you have a calendar and you're like, well, I'm not going to take time to plan out next week, next month, whatever, the next three months, what happens is that calendar still fills up. It's just that you didn't put anything on it. Someone got a kick out of that. So, anyway. Um, but anyway, th so think, think about that. So, tr at, but at the beginning of every month, Trace and I go over our calendar because we're, we're just like you. We're busy. We have all kinds of things we're doing. And the first thing we do is we put on the important things that we do have to do, spiritually speaking, things we're going to do, things, events we have with the family. And we, we put all the important things that we want, and then when life calls on us, we only got a few days left. See, a lot of you don't do that. A lot of people, they just let their calendar, they're just putting things everywhere. You've before. See, here's what happens. If someone says, hey, Terry, can you do this on this day? I look, I'm, I'm sorry, I got to. You know, I got a, my family has a thing here or whatever, or we have a church event or I'm doing a wedding or, or whatever. But if I don't put anything on the calendar, I'm going to feel like I have to do everything. When I put the important things on the calendar, what that means really is that about 60% of my time is taken. And it's taken by the most important things that I can do. So I know the important things or, or, or a priority. I, I just, I just want to help you because a lot of people have a hard time saying no. Start filling up your calendar with things that God wants you to do. 
spiritual growth events, family things, and you won't have time to waste a lot of the time that you're wasting now. Psalms 90, 12, it says this, teach us to number our days and recognize how few they are and help us to spend them as we should. Isn't that a good, that's a good prayer to pray before you start scheduling your calendar. Lord, teach me, teach me how to spend my days as I should. One of my spiritual leaders told me, years ago he told me, he says, Terry, I have a rule of five. I'm like, well, what's the rule of five? He said, there's five things I do every day. Every day, every day I do five things. At the end of the day, if I haven't done one of them, I go and do it. And uh, he, he said, it's like this. It's like, if, if I tell you you got to go chop down a big tree, there are several ways to do that. You can go out there and spend three or four hours just hacking away. And the tree's going to fall, but you're going to be totally exhausted. You're going to have blisters on your hands. Your back's going to be sore. You'll be hurting for three or four days. Or you can get up every day and go out there and just take five whacks that tree. Just go take five whacks. You don't know what day it's going to fall, but it's going to fall. Maybe a month, whatever. But, but when it falls, you're not going to be worn out. So he says, there's five things I do every day. And I thought, I thought about this, and uh, yours doesn't have to be like mine. Mine is not exactly like him. But here's my rule of five, things I want to do every day. Number one, I'm going to spend time in prayer every day. If I have a crazy busy day, maybe only have two or three if I only take two or three minutes to pray, I'm going to pray every day. I'm going to pray every day. And some days I pray a, a, a lot, a long time. Number two, I'm going to study God's Word. I'm going to read God's Word every day. Every day. If I only have time for a chapter or two, I am going to read God's Word every day. Number three, I'm going to love those closest to me. The, the ones, Tracy and my three kids, I'm going to love them. And, and everyone in this church, I do everything I can to show you the love and the support that you need. Sometimes I have people coming to me and say, Terry, I know you're busy. I'm busy. Everyone's busy. Tell me what you need. I have time for people in, in, in this church. I, I want to love the people that God has put in my life. Number four is I want to make a difference in someone's life every day. If I get to the end of the day and it's like, man, I haven't had a good day. I don't think I've I don't think I've blessed somebody today. I haven't encouraged someone today. You know, how hard is it to send a text of encouragement? How hard is it to sit down and write a thank you card saying, man, thank you. You blessed me with this. And I thank you. I thank you for your faithfulness. But every day I want to make a difference in someone's life. And number five is, is I'm going to take care of myself. And I realize if we don't take care of ourselves, we're not going to be good to anyone else for very long. So what is your five? Do five simple things. Put them, on, put them on your mirror in your bathroom. Put them on, uh, you know, on your phone, whatever. And every day, five things. Five things that you can do and things that have value. So spending time in prayer is important. Studying God's Word is important. I believe God wants us to love the people closest to us and to make a difference in someone's lives. And I know that God wants me to take care of myself. Number three. Eliminate the non-essentials from my life. Hebrews 12, 1 says, Let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. I want to encourage you to do something. Uh, you know, many of us write a to-do list, a to-do list. I want you to make a list of a not-to-do list. Reverse psychology right there. Make a not-to-do list, things that you don't want to do, things you don't like to do, or things you know God doesn't want you to do, things that don't produce fruit in your life. 
Make a list of things you're not going to do. I am not going to hang around those people because they mock God, they make fun of God, they're vile, and I'm just not going to do it. I'm not doing that. I'm not spending my whole lunch every day with people, you know, defaming God. I'm just not going to do it. I'm not going to do this activity anymore. I'm not going to volunteer for that anymore because it just doesn't have value in my life. But we've got to take out the non-essentials. Again, we're putting the essentials on the top. The worship team can come on up this morning. And the, the fifth thing, the fourth thing is this, is that we, we, we have to regularly take inventory in our lives. We have to regularly take inventory. And, um, you know, sometimes we're going so fast, so hard, that we don't inventory what we're doing good. We don't inventory what we're not doing good. We don't inventory. Here's what I know. There are certain things in my life that I do that really have a lot of value. God's blessed me with gifts to do certain things. And when I do those certain things, it helps people and it grows the kingdom. There are some things that I'm not the best at. And so I need to focus. I need to focus on where I'm the most fruitful for God. I need to focus on where he wants me to be, the, the uh, alignment that I, that I have uh, with God. Would you bow your heads with me just for a minute? Beside you, open up my.